BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. We're your hosts, Jill Dunn and Carlene Higgins. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Breaking Beauty Podcast. I'm Jill, and I'm here, of course, with my trusty co-host, Carlene. Hi, Jill. Hi, guys. So I think you are going to be super into today's episode because it's all about skincare. We know how much you love skincare. And specifically, we're zeroing in on the almighty retinol. It's the wonder ingredient so often recommended by dermatologists, yet curiously so often misunderstood as well. And specifically, we're going to answer the question, how to get on a retinol routine that you won't want to quit? Because we know that does happen, whether you have irritation or you just don't feel like it's working. On the mic today, we have Dr. Froka Noiser, P&G's principal scientist. And we are partnering with our friends at Olay to bring you this special episode on the heels of the launch of Olay Retinol 24. And we're going to share our personal experience using the products following our interview. So stay tuned until the very end for that. Dr. Noiser, I just love talking to her, Carlene, because honestly, I learn something new every single time, even though I've been doing this for like more than 15 years (laughs) at this point. And, you know, we had her on our show back in April of 2018, it was actually episode 24. And we did a whole episode about debunking daily SPF myths. And we were like in your car driving around. It was so much fun. So if you guys want to check that out, you can, you can go back in our archives. Yeah. So before we get into our interview, I think we should just do like a reminder on why retinol is considered such a big deal in the world of skincare. So first of all, what is retinol? Retinol is a form of vitamin A that encourages your skin cells to turn over faster than they normally would, which makes for those baby-like skin cells to come to the surface. And that's been clinically proven. It has years and years of research behind it. And that's why it's so often recommended by professionals. And retinol is considered to be kind of that wonder ingredient because it acts on so many skin concerns like fine lines, texture, dullness, scarring, because it's really all about ramping up that collagen production. So if it's this wonder ingredient, then why are so many people quitting their retinol routines? That's what we're going to get to the bottom of today. In this episode, Dr. Noiser is going to tell us what to look for on the label, the formulation, and in the packaging. 
She's also going to talk to us about reading labels. What do all those percentages really mean? It's not as simple as just buying the highest one if you want the best results. And finally, she leaves us with some tips on how to work retinol into your current routine without overdoing it or without underdoing it. Here she is. Welcome back, Dr. Froka Noiser. Hello, Dr. Noiser. Welcome back to our show. So here's the thing. You guys at P&G, through all the research that you're always doing, uncovered a little secret that most women are trying retinol and then quitting it before they actually see results. So tell us about that. What is happening and what kind of statistics are you seeing on this topic? Yes, yes, yes. Just to start off with, I think, you know, retinol, as you mentioned, it's one of those ingredients that pretty much everyone has heard of, right? There are some other ones in skincare where it's like, you know, you feel you're more of an expert retinol. We did a survey with over 6,000 women in North America and over 80% said, yes, I know of retinol. I'm aware I've heard of it. Wow. So that's huge. And then over 40%, so half of the people, half the women who had heard of it had actually tried it at some point. Again, so that's that's uh, numbers you, you wouldn't see for many other ingredients. But now comes the interesting part. Half of these women use their retinol product for less mm-hmm. than a month. Less mm-hmm. than a month. In that month, eight out of 10 did not use it every day. Mm-hmm. And now comes the last number. If you go back to everyone who, tr- who tried it at some point, only two out of 10 women kept using their retinol product after several months, two out of 10, which meant, means eight out of 10 right. stopped right. using. So to recap, what were the main reasons that people were quitting their retinol routines? It's really two main reasons that jump out. The first one is irritation you know, red skin, burning sensation. Yeah, we've all been there, right? Yeah. I've definitely gone overboard on some prescription stuff. Definitely. It even has a name, retinoid um, reaction. So yes, it's very common. So that's the number one reason. Another reason is, and it's almost kind of the opposite, is women that go out, buy a retinol product and they don't get anything. They don't get irritation, but they also don't see the results. And oftentimes they will have spent quite a bit of money on that product. And so they just give up because like, I didn't even know what that yeah. type was all about. And the thing is, I, you know, I know that retinol is the most searched ingredient on the web. I know it's the number one ingredient recommended by dermatologists. So how much retinol is actually out there? So, so, so leading up to Olay bringing out its, its retinol 24 collection, we, we did do a, a big search and in the three years previous to our introduction, how many other retinol products globally have launched? And it was over 5,000 wow. just in those three years. And that was, you know, a good year ago. So probably now it's even more. And that on top of all the products that already existed. So it is crazy. Thousands and thousands of new products kind of coming out every wow. Yeah, that's incredible. No wonder women are confused. Indeed. <laughs> Dr. Noiser, I'm going to be honest with you. When I attended the Olay presentation for Retinol 24, I was really shook by a slide that you guys put up there. I mean, I've been a beauty journalist for over 15 years now, and 
when I saw that slide, I just immediately, I had to go up and take a picture. I was like, I don't even know if this is allowed. And it was basically a comparison of all the leading retinol products. It was drugstore, luxury, derm brands, all those cute Instagram brands. So can you sort of explain, if you can, what that was all about? Absolutely. I know exactly which chart you mean. Actually, what it showed is it showed how much retinol we found in these formulations. So how much was in there that was stable? In some cases, what it said on the pack, we found in there. In quite a few cases, we found a lot less than what it said on the label because it had degraded by the time we tested it. So that was one data point. How much is actually in there at the point of, you know, using it after you purchase it? And then the second data point was, yes, how much of that gets actually into your skin versus sitting on the surface? And if my memory served, you had 10 brands all lined up. I believe there was one that lived up to its claim that was very expensive. And then there was like a second one that halfway lived up to its claim and the rest were just kind of like null, right? Yes, there were quite a few disappointments in there. The interesting point was that none of these products actually delivered more active retinol into the skin than the Olay Retinol 24. Okay. Consider me shook. My pearls were being clutched, as was (laughs) every other beauty editor in the room, let me tell you. Did you go on a field trip and buy all of these like stealth mode, Dr. Noiser? Like, how did you get your hands on these ones? (laughs) We did because we wanted to, you know, this needed to be realistic, right? So if you are a consumer, you go to a store, you know, you buy it, you take it home, you use it. That's exactly what we did. Secret shopper. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like that just really gets to the core of what this is all about and what this episode really is all about. So a lot of the reason that women quit their retinol and their routines is because they're buying these things and they think it's going to be a holy grail, but they're really buying almost like a false promise and products that are not being able to perform and meet the promise of what's on the label. So now a lot of people are looking at percentages because you think, oh, if it's got 2% retinol, that must be better. But is there like, I just feel like that's faulty logic too. So how do you decipher what's good and not good? And oh, that's part of the problem too, right? It is, it is. And you know what? There are probably some ingredients where having the percentage on there makes a lot more sense. For example, some of the assets, right? You do want to know what is the asset level? So is it something I use mm-hmm. daily, weekly, whatnot, right? And there's a very linear relationship between how much is in there and how active right. and maybe aggressive it is. For retinol, though, it's a little bit different. A small amount of retinol goes a very long way. Retinol has been used since, you know, the 1940s. That, you know, in the 1940s, the first clinical study was published. And in all this time, nobody has ever really published a clinical study that used more than 1% retinol. But really, since the 1950s and 60s, retinoic acid took over as the ingredient of choice for dermatologists. And that is only available via prescription in the US and Canada. Okay, so you can't buy that over the counter. And if you look at retinoic acid uh, prescription products, the highest you would ever find is an 0.1%. There are very effective products with Mm -hmm. 0.05, which is what I mean by a little goes a long way. So just to put it into that context a little bit. So now if you go out and you look at, you know, what am I buying? That percentage, you don't necessarily need a big number. And if you see a big number, you don't really know, is that really, was it, is that really stable in my product? And then if it is stable, is it going to be irritating? 
So the percentage can only tell you so much. I want to actually say with retinol, it's not really very useful to look at that number okay. and that percentage. Good to know. Yeah. Even like when I've gotten a prescription before, it is usually 0.001%. Like it's so minimal <laughs> that I'm like, oh, is this even worth it? But obviously they know what they're doing. And so maybe we could just break it down a little bit more. So you mentioned prescription retinoid. What mm-hmm. percentage is allowable for retinol by Health Canada and the FDA in skincare you can buy in stores or online? So it's actually not regulated okay. by the FDA. The FDA only regulates the use of retinoic acid in prescription okay. products. Canada uh, does have uh, an upper limit and it's 1.0% retinol equivalent which means if it's retinol itself, 1% is the upper limit. Now, if you use one of the other retinoids that have a bit of a larger molecular size, you might have a bit more in there, but it is the same as using 1% retinol, which is why it's called retinol equivalent. So really, you know, above 1% retinol is not allowed. Now, in Europe, that limit is actually significantly Mm -hmm. lower. It's 0.3%. And again, it's really balancing. I think what the regulators are trying to do is, right, it's balancing efficacy and safety in terms of irritation, uh, the potential for irritation. And what the European regulators are are looking at, they feel that 0.3% retinol equivalent is efficacious if uh, formulated right and is safe. So they have, you know, they are looking at a lower number, but Health Canada says uh, one point. um, That seems like a pretty significant difference. Is it? It's a factor of three, which kind of sounds a lot, but if you think about 0.001 versus 1%, you know, now you have a factor of a thousand or even higher. So it's still in the same ballpark. And I think, you know, the European regulators just tend to be uh, a little more cautious, mm-hmm. you know, with long term. I mean, there are, as I said, there are clinical studies with 1% retinol, right, that are published where it's been shown to be safe, mm-hmm. efficacious, maybe a slightly different right. approach in Europe. Okay. And so how much do you need in there to be effective? You were saying that tests back in the day, like what would you say is the minimum that should be in there to make it effective? It depends a bit on which retinoid you're using, but really with a retinol, or if you're thinking about retinol equivalents, then I think that 0.3% Europe is looking at, that is actually a good um, number, 0.2, 0.3%. You obviously have to make sure you've formulated it well. Again, how much you put in is just one element. How you keep it stable and how you deliver it into the skin are, you know, almost the bigger challenges than just putting it into the product in the first place. Got it. Okay. So those percentages aren't necessarily so important. Right. Let's break for a moment to let you know about a quarantine hack you're definitely not going to want to miss out on courtesy of our friends at Saqqara. Here it is, guys. Skip the grocery stores. That's right. The gloves, the little coin in the cart, nope. You can stay home, stay healthy, and stay energized with fresh, fully prepared meals delivered straight to your door from Saqqara. They've got fruit parfaits, yummy granolas, hearty salads, savory flatbreads. It's all chef-crafted meals that are 100% plant-based, gluten-free, dairy-free, and non-GMO. But here's what it is full of, nutrition. Honestly, clean eating has never been so easy, and it's exactly what I need now that I'm getting 1,000 steps a day instead of 10,000. You know what I'm saying? Give me some of that red beet burger on chia oat bread, am I right? In addition to their delicious meals, Sakara also offers daily essentials like supplements and herbal teas to complete your wellness routine and support overall health and vitality. 
To boost immunity, you can try their best-selling daily probiotic blend or detox water drops with pure chlorophyll. And right now, Saqqara is offering our listeners 20% off their order when they go to saqqara.com slash beauty or enter beauty at checkout. That's Saqqara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash beauty to get 20% off your order. We'll link to that offer in our show notes and on our blog, saqqara.com slash beauty. And now back to today's show. Let's talk about what else we can look for to make sure that the retinol we're buying is effective. So whether there's something on the inky list with the ingredient list on the side in terms of how it's formulated or whether it's about the actual packaging itself, give us some tips on what we can look for to make sure we're not buying a lemon. (laughs) Now, there is something you can look for in terms of which type of retinol is used used. Um, Sometimes you will find retinol Mm -hmm. itself, uh, which is vitamin A, and that has shown good efficacy, lots of published studies. It's probably of the -the over-the-counter ones, potentially the most irritating one, or what the, you know, I shouldn't say that has the potential to be, you know, more irritating than some of the others. So if you know that you have very sensitive skin, then maybe you don't want to go for a product that just contains retinol Mm -hmm. as the only um, active Mm -hmm. ingredient. What we've done is we're using a blend of retinol and retinol propionate. It's a bit of a mouthful. That is a form of retinol that's actually milder, more gentle. And so by combining those two, we get the efficacy we want. But at the same time, we are avoiding a lot of the potential Mm -hmm. for irritation. That's something I would recommend to look for. And then there's one thing, actually, there's one retinol compound that's really popular in skincare, and that's called retinol palmitate. Basically, it's an ester of the retinoic acid. Now, as you know, one thing that's really important when it comes to is can an ingredient penetrate into skin is molecule size, mm-hmm. right? Skin is designed to keep stuff out. If you put something on skin that is very large, it's very difficult to penetrate if it can penetrate at all. Now, retinol palmitate is almost twice as big in terms of the molecule size as retinol. And so many, many studies have shown that it therefore barely penetrates mm-hmm. into skin. It's nice and gentle. It's nice and stable, which is one of the reasons it's so popular. But it really doesn't have mm. the same efficacy just because it doesn't get to where right. it needs to get okay. to. Good to know. What about the packaging itself? Because I know this plays such a huge role. And prescription retinols and like a lot of the ones that I've gotten over the years that are from luxury brands are in tin tubes. They're impenetrable to light and heat. And so how can we trust? And I'm sure it's a formulation challenge to get a retinol that's in a jar that you're dipping your fingers into that, first of all, it's maintaining its efficacy and its safety and all of that. Right. It's it's a great question because I said, you know, retinol is notoriously Mm -hmm. unstable, but stability important. There are different ways that you can make your retinol stable, right? One is packaging. The other one is the formulation itself. Okay. So let's start with the packaging. As you said, there are, you know, tubes and pumps and all the rest of it. And they can certainly help to keep the heat and the oxygen and the UV light out. Of course, the the, the moment of proof comes once you start using them. Let's say with a tube, right? Now you open it, you don't have that impenetrable barrier anymore. And then one thing I like to look at is, does the product change mm-hmm. color over time? So it's sort of maybe a little beigey, pale yellow as you open that tube. And a week later, it looks significantly more orangey yellow around that opening. That is a sign that, okay, maybe it was stable in that tube. But now that you've opened it and you've exposed it to oxygen, 
it is actually starting to degrade. So whatever the type of packaging is, your product shouldn't change color over time. And especially with retinol, it shouldn't get more yellow over time because that is a, st- a sign of, mm-hmm. of instability. Now, the other question, you know, you, so you said, so why, you know, why can it be in an open jar? And that's, as I said, because you can also make it stable in the formulation. Almost think about, you know, microencapsulation. You're hiding. So what we're doing is we're hiding. Uh, so retinol, vitamin A, it's oil soluble. We have dispersed our retinol, dissolved it in, in, in teeny tiny oil droplets. And those oil droplets are on the inside of the formula. They're encapsulated away so that the light in the air can't actually get to them. And so then when it's it's stable in the jar, but then it's like activated when it's put on your skin, you're like break, you're physically breaking it apart. Yes. By rubbing it in, those droplets disperse and release the retinol and it can slowly penetrate into your skin. So the same thing, by the way, applies for the jar. So if you have a jar of, it's not mm-hmm. that Olay is the only jar with a retinol product. Again, look out for, mm-hmm. does it change mm-hmm. color and gets more yellow, orangey, darker over time? Okay. Not a good sign. Good to okay. know. Good tip. Now you mentioned earlier that the, probably the number one reason women quit their retinol routines is irritation. So I'm guessing that would look like redness and stinging, flaking, flaking. even perhaps. So what can people do aside from quitting their retinol routine if that's happening? Because that's really the opposite of what they're trying to achieve, right? A glowing, beautiful face. Absolutely. It's not not what you want to wake up with. Uh, I agree. And so again, it sort of it depends a bit on obviously your skin type and how sensitive your skin is and also on the type of retinol you're using. If you're using a prescription retinol, your dermatologist has probably given you a bit mm-hmm. of a pep talk, has explained to you if you do get a reaction to ease yourself into it, not use it every day, use it in combination with uh, rich use of moisturizers that kind of you know make sure that the hydration of the skin and the barrier of the skin can cope with that. So, but you know, we're not talking about prescription products today. I'm just saying, you know, depending on what you're using, you're more or less likely to have mm-hmm. a reaction. It depends on the product and also on your skin. The other important thing I always like to mention is it's not that you have to have that reaction to know that the product works, right? There are some other products, maybe, you know, assets that we talked about. You know, there are certain procedures or products where the reaction is part of, oh, it, it works. Mm-hmm. It has to do it. That's not the case with retinol. Retinol doesn't have to irritate to work. It's literally a side effect. Mm-hmm. So if you can avoid the side effect, you obviously mm-hmm. should. And that comes down a lot to you know, the, uh, the concentration of the retinol in your product, the formulation. You know, I talked about the slow release. That certainly helps to minimize irritation. Is it a, a moisturizing product? Not every product will be suitable for, for every person and mm-hmm. every skin type. I would say if you are using a product and you get this reaction and you feel like this is too much for me, yes, you, you know, slow down, maybe use it every other day or even less. But it'll, So maybe it's just not the right product for you. Maybe it wasn't the right formulation for your skin right. type. I don't think a retinol product need, you know, should be, mm-hmm. shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't sort of have to fight your way through to get to the results. Okay. And then can you tell us like, about this idea of cocktailing. We get this question a lot. 
cumulative irritation. You know, I've been using the Olay line for now it's been about a month. And for the first little while, I think like a week or something, I I realized that my morning vitamin C serum has AHAs in it as well. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, is this going to be too much for me? Because I have quite sensitive skin. And a lot of people use even face cleansers that have AHAs and BHAs. So is there anything that people need to be aware of or what's the best way to start folding in retinol into your existing routine? There's no sort of scientific reason to say you can't use retinol and ingredient XYZ product ABC. It all comes down to what works for you, right? The sensitivity of your skin, what the level of maybe those acids is in your products. You know, it is a little bit mm-hmm. trial and error, right? Now, if, if you've never used a retinol and you are a little nervous, I would just say maybe you don't want to go super heavy on the mm-hmm. acids while you're starting to use that retinol right. product, mm-hmm. right? The other thing with the acids is, and, and, and some people have told me that, that there's obviously a reason why you're using the acids in terms of pore minimization and clarity of skin. You know, what? some of that retinol actually mm-hmm. can do as well. So, you know, there might be a case where maybe you want to, you know, go a little bit easy on some of the acids as you're starting the retinol and maybe you'll find that you don't actually need it as much anymore. But ultimately, obviously, you know, it it really is, it comes down to what what works for Mm -hmm. you, what works for your skin. If you feel a little nervous and maybe, yes, then don't use everything, you know, on top of each other and then build slowly up until, you know. Right. You feel and I just have a follow up question to that because I think people will want to know, is there anything that nullifies any ingredients that nullify the effects of retinol if you were to layer them together? No, there's nothing really because there's nothing going on with pH or anything like neutralization. No, there's nothing really that nullifies this. I mean, the one thing that I will say is, and it's not really nullify, but, you know, I always say everybody, and we talked about this last time, everybody should wear sunscreen and SPF product every day, no matter what. And it becomes more important when you use retinol, right? Because retinols tend to be, you know, they do a lot of the, I want to say the, you know, sort of regenerating, repairing damage, sort of fading the signs of the sun damage, like sunspots, pigmentation especially, but also lines and wrinkles. Now, if every night you use retinol to repair and rebalance, and then in the morning you go out there unprotected to get the next dose of damage, that doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense. Right, yeah. Does it make you more sun sensitive though, specifically? Oh, I'm glad you asked this question because a lot of people think it does. It's actually not so. It started with a um, a large-scale clinical study that was done on on teens with acne in Puerto Rico, and they used retinoic acid, and they were a lot in the sun, and they got a lot of irritation. But, you know, they wouldn't have gotten the irritation anyway because they were using retinoic acid. So it's, it's one of those... Ever since that study, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, it increases the sensitivity of your skin. But there are other studies that show it does not. Of course, if you have a little bit of that irritation, right, and, and, and that automatically, any kind of irritation will make you more sensitive to sun. But fundamentally, the retinol doesn't sort of photosensitize. Like a um, glycolic acid would or a lactic acid. Right, because right. now you're taking off, right, right. the, the top right. of, of the skin. Yes. Good to know. You know, with retinol, they say that you can use it in your 40s. Obviously, it's uh, great to use for wrinkle reduction and collagen stimulation and also in your 20s for preventative. So just going back to that question about people who are using AHAs, BHAs, glycolic, 
why might they decide, okay, maybe I should try retinol instead of these other things? Is there a way you can just kind of easily break that down? Retinol does, you know, it's a, retinol provide, can provide some of the benefits that those acids do. But I, I, as you said, I mean, it, it does mm-hmm. a lot more. It does a lot more than those because those acids very much work mm-hmm. on the surface. You know, with retinol, um, you, you have, it's really rebalancing your skin at a much uh, more profound level. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about texture, lines and wrinkles, sunspots, pores, you know, oily skin. So it is, yes, it, it is a different kind of sort of active multi-benefit ingredient. Mm-hmm. Why you could get some of the benefits with other ingredients, I don't think you could right. get all those benefits. Is retinol in itself known to be drying? Yes, it can be. Yes, it can be. Retinoic acid more than, than retinol, more, more so than maybe retinol propionate. It also does depend on your skin type, right? For some people, it is drying. For some right. people, it isn't. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's probably more balancing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And, exactly. and just to follow up to that, the order that a retinol would go on your skin, is it important to get it on as the first step or does it matter? If you have multi layers in your skincare routine at night, what should go on your face first. <laughs> right. It depends on, but on, on what form you're using, right? Is it a retinol serum? Then it should go obviously after your cleansing toning, but before the moisturizer, is it a moisturizer that would always be the last step? So uh, as you said, there are now so many different types and forms of retinol that it depends more, you know, on, on what is that form than just whether it has uh, retinol or not. What is the difference between the eye cream and the moisturizer? Like, why can't you just bring it right up? I think that's like the everyone's question, yeah. right? Uh, of course, yeah. So, so especially with retinol, but but generally speaking, for for other eye creams as well, the main difference is in the texture and how it sort of spreads. Because with an eye cream, you usually right, you kind of tap it in, and then you want it to stay where you've applied it, obviously absorb, but you don't want it to wander around your face, for example, into your eyes, because that could lead to stinging etc. etc. So it's really the viscosity, the spreadability and the texture of the product that is mainly the difference. Because with the full face moisturizer, you want something that spreads really easily, right? And you know, you can sort of have this nice sort of uh, spreading motion, it goes everywhere, and then sinks in with the eye cream, it really stays where you put it. Now that doesn't sound very sexy. It's actually quite difficult to do that. And with the formulation and the different sort of um, thickening systems and, and, and everything. But that is the main difference in our case between the eye cream and the and Okay, the okay. good to know. And our final question for you is, is there any reason that somebody should avoid using retinol 365 days a year from her 20s right through to her golden years? Like if you found something that you're comfortable using every day. Is it best to take a retinolcation once in a while? If you allow me, I'm going to quote one of the dermatologists that uh, that Olay worked with. Well, actually, it's, it's a quote from several of them. We met with a whole group of them. And the quote that came back from them was from cradle to grave. <laughs> they recommend, I mean, they literally, they recommend a retinol to all of their patients. I say, whether they're 20 or, or 80 they say, you know, I have this patient, she's 93, she's been using retinol for 60 years and her skin is amazing. Other people's experiences, right? I've never met someone who's used retinol for, for 60 years, but basically they, I want to say the dermatological community believes, you know, there is no problem with using it every day of the year for, for many, many years. There are actually published studies that show, you know, if you stop using it, 
right? It's not that you will magically, you will have frozen your skin and it will never age from that point onwards. It's really, you will then, you know, kind of obviously start going back to where you would have been without the retinol. So there is, it's not just, is it safe to use it, but like, is there a benefit to keep using it? Thank you so much. Thank you. And have a nice afternoon. Thank you. Bye. So there you have it. Getting on a retinol routine, you won't want to quit. It's all about watching out for those inflated percentages on packaging, finding a product that isn't going to turn yellow after you start using it, and choosing a type of product, whether it's an eye cream or a serum or a night cream, that you can most seamlessly fold into your existing routine, right? Exactly. So let's talk about our experience using the Olay Regenerous Retinol 24-Night Collection. And in case it's not obvious, all of these products, um, you only use them at nighttime. So there's a night serum, a nighttime moisturizer, and a nighttime eye cream. They're all fragrance-free, which I know, Carlene, you and I were, that's like so important to both of us. Yeah, less chance of irritation. So that's important to me. Yep. And the idea is that you're going to get 24 hours of hydration with 24 hours of potency of retinol. So, but it is going to be gentle enough that you can use it every single day. Mm -hmm. And you know me, Carlene, I stand a drugstore buy. I love to recommend things that are affordable. Mm -hmm. And this product is like 30 US dollars or each of these products is 30 US dollars and like 40 in Canada. So significantly more affordable than like a niche or a luxury brand. Yeah. So tell us about, did you use all three or did you cherry pick? What did you do? Yeah. So I cherry picked and I went with the night moisturizer. And the reason I did that is like, I don't like a really fussy nighttime routine. I just like one moisturizer that's going to kind of give me anti-aging benefits and moisturize. So this one is perfect for me. Probably in the summer, I would choose the serum instead, just like Mm -hmm. based on a texture preference. But for this time of year, I really liked the night moisturizer. And so it uses both retinol and retinol propanate paired with vitamin B3, which is niacinamide. I talk about that all the time and glycerin. And both of those are just really great barrier boosting ingredients for the health of your skin. So mm-hmm. what can I tell you after using it for about three close to three weeks, I can tell you that when you wake up in the morning, I felt like I had a cocoon sort of effect on my skin where I woke up and my skin was like plumper and more hydrated. Definitely no dryness at all, which I have gotten in the past using other retinols. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And there was no redness at all either. So I love that, you know, you're getting that barrier protection, but you also know you're getting some like anti-aging boost too. Yeah, that's a good sign. Were you using the rest of like, did you change up the rest of your routine or no? Well, you know that we all have our favorites and I'm like such a huge fan of like exfoliating toners and acids. Like I'm really into those. So I still kept using those in the morning. Like my daily routine, I didn't change at all. And I was kind of thinking I might have to switch some of that up, but I didn't have to. And I had no redness, no flaking, nothing like that. So that's a win. Great. So what about you? What did you go for? So I did some cherry picking as well. I have quite sensitive skin, so I've definitely quit my retinol routine in the past. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I would say I'm pretty wary about that. And I really like in the evening, like I've got my thing going, you know, I use an essence, a a serum and a night cream that's all about calming and hydration. So what appealed to me the most was the eye cream. 
You know, I always say I like my eye cream with a side of fries. So it's got to do more than just moisturizing or I'm just going to use my moisturizer. Exactly. So I like the fact that this had moisturizing ingredients. So it's not going to dry me out, but it also has that hit of retinol. And that way I could just target where I feel like I need retinol most, which are those crow's feet. You know, I'm in my 40s now. And so they definitely are multiplying instead of like three lines when I smile. I have like Mm -hmm. eight lines when I smile, you know. And so, yeah, I used it for four or five weeks. I mean, I showed you low key the before and afters. What did you think? Well, Oh my God, you guys, my palms were sweating because she sent me two pictures and she made me guess which one was before and after. I was like, oh my God, this is like a friendship breaker, but uh, I guessed the right one. I I did guess the right one and I could see a difference. I could. Well, real talk, it's not like before and after where one had crow's feet and one didn't, you know, (laughs) this is a process, but I felt like when we got down to the littler lines that blended into the cheek, I may have noticed some fading there. But this is something you really need to use over time. And that's why you yes. don't want to quit it, you know. So I may post those pictures. We'll in Ooh. our Facebook chat room. We'll see if everybody promises not to circulate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think you look great. I do have a new tip for applying eye cream, though, that I'm going to share with you guys. Um, Because when I used it, it's this nice, thick and creamy, like luscious consistency. And I was smiling when I looked in the mirror and I could see where my crow's feet were. And I applied it while I was smiling. And what I noticed is the area that I needed to target actually went out much further than what I used to think when I applied my eye cream. When you smile, those crow's feet go all the way out to the temple. And so then when I stopped smiling and I was like, oh, um, (laughs) then I blended it all in. So it does get into, you know, where those creases were. Um, But it really opened my eyes, if you will, to how large that area actually is. I wasn't stretching it out far enough. So that's my hot tip of the day. Okay. I love that. Well, that's it for this week. We thank you as always for tuning in and we will see you next week. Bye guys. Thanks for listening. You can find details on every product mentioned in today's episode, along with our exclusive promo codes on our blog at breakingbeautypodcast.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Every episode will be delivered directly to your inbox so you won't miss a single thing. And get social with us. Let us know what you think of the episode. You can follow us on Instagram at breakingbeautypodcast. And did you know we also have a private Facebook group? Just search Breaking Beauty Podcast chat room. You can even leave us a voicemail at any time with questions or feedback at 1-844-227-0302. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast fix. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, where you can show us some love by writing a review. See you next Wednesday. Cherry bomb, you got a cherry